0: Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM, KSRQ, online, RadioNorthland.org. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my co-host, the man way down there deep in the heart of Texas. A man who's, uh, I haven't asked him yet what, what uh, uh, the fall has been like for him down there, but we have lots of other things to talk about too. It's always uh, fun to uh, bring into the conversation. The Grizzled Vet, Mike McCurdy.
1: How's it going, Lear
0: Glenn? Well, not too bad up here. It's been relatively nice. I don't want to jinx the whole fall thing. Uh, we've had uh, seventy degrees days. Now we're going to get into some like up mid to upper sixties. It's been good enough time to actually get out there and uh, and maybe finish the raking. I didn't finish quite the last year, but this year I'm going to get all that crap done. And uh, get the lawn mowed one more time. So yeah, it means a lot of work, but hey, it's good to be outside and not be in twenty below uh, weather.
1: No, I wouldn't want to do twenty below. We we had a nice week of a cold front. You know, it was in the eighties. Now we're back out to about the mid nineties. So you know, typical fall weather in the in the state of Texas. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, we talk about weather because that's a good little conversation starter, and uh, we always try to avoid politics. But that's the way we do it here at Rasslin' Memories then and now. And Mike, we were talking a little bit off the mic here before uh, we get into our guest, and you know we get to hear his story. But we were talking uh, a bit off, Mike, about some of the. uh, I guess it just seems like just seems like here in the last and the last couple of weeks, next couple of weeks and months. There is just a deluge of wrestling books, and it's awesome because now as the weather is going to gradually get cooler up here, I have lots of time to absorb this stuff. So, it's it's amazing that some of the ones that you were writing out, typing out, you know, it, you gotta kind of go through that little, that list a little bit here before we get to our guests because it's a lot to look forward to if you're a pro wrestling fan.
1: Man, you got a lot to absorb. Uh, truth be told, the Brian Blair story just was released by a, I uh, guess we've had on the past, Ian Douglas. He's going to be coming on in the next few weeks to talk yep. about that book. Hopefully Brian Blair will be joining him. Uh, Scott Teal of Curlbar Press is releasing the biography of Burt Prentice. You know, mm. Christopher Love, some people might know. Him. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah one. exactly. Uh, I, mentioned last, I mentioned last week, Johnny Canine, Tracy Kaiser came out with a book about him. So, yeah, there's a lot of books on the horizon right
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Burt Prentice book, Uh, Christopher Love, Honey Love. uh, And, you know, he did a lot of stuff. And it it was interesting because you mentioned Prentice in this book coming out here soon from Crowbar Press. Uh, On the 605 uh, Super Podcast, Brian, last uh, released uh, just a few days ago, I always like to uh, mention him because I I do enjoy his programs. Uh, There was a, a great story that Howard Baum told about how uh, I guess it was like a uh, Christopher Love, Burt Prentice uh, got a shot at redemption and uh, righted a wrong. Uh, he he, you know, he perpetuated on Howard and his father financially back in the eighties. So it was kind of a weird kind of make good. It, it's really one of those great stories. If, if you haven't heard it, go on to the the six hundred five and, and check it out. I listened to
1: the six hundred five and excuse me, let's let do this correctly. The six hundred five Super Podcast. The ship. All right, let's get that out of the, the way. Only podcast is,
0: uh, The but yeah, but right.
1: you you gotta you gotta dedicate yourself to the the six hundred five because it's like a four or five hour like excursion. he mm-hmm. only brings him out on a regular, not on a regular basis. So it's kind of a you know scattered schedule, but it, it's a dedication to listen to the whole show. You got you got to put the time into it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, in my other job, I, I have a chance to listen to it full shot and. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that uh, latest episode, and I I mean, they're not in competition with us at all because it's just two different platforms. We're we're slightly kind of dipping our toes into the download thing, but it's not a a thing like that. We definitely uh, support those who support old school wrestling and and just goes beyond the obvious of just what happened on SmackDown or uh, Dynamite. I like hearing more of the story behind the stories.
1: Oh, definitely. Like I said, it's a great show. I mean, all of Brian, all of the Arcadian Vanguard Network, I mean, there's some great stuff. If you want old school wrestling and hear some of the great stories about it, you know, his network is one of the ones to go with, you know, and speaking of podcasts and, you know, upcoming guests and all that, uh, Jim Powell, a gentleman, he has a couple podcasts on the Wrestling Observer Radio. He's going to be a guest. I just got confirmation from him uh, right before we went on air or right before we started recording. He's going to be a guest and mm -hmm. man, he's got a story. That guy... By all rights and reasons, it's amazing that the man is here, and I'm so glad he is still here. He went through a lot, and I'm looking forward to hearing his story.
0: Absolutely, the guy kept kicking out at two, triumph for the human spirit on display. the The king of recovery. You can't, you can't, you can't mess with Jim Valley. He's like Jim Valley and Keith Richards are going to survive everything. <laughs>
1: Just the two of them sitting out there in the old folks' home telling the story. That, that's what's going to be life.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, everything is like scorched earth. Well, I'm gonna bring. Uh, I'm gonna let you actually uh, announce and introduce our guest because uh, you did some uh, recruiting, and I appreciate it because it's uh, you've brought in some very interesting people, and it's kind of fun to learn about a you know, different type of people I never, you know, I probably never met before. So you introduce me and the listeners today to our guest, and we can get it down into some uh, good, good conversating.
1: Well, honestly, manuel you know, I just met this gentleman myself here just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm getting the opportunity to work with him with uh, David Fuller's promotion, IHWE, which is just now starting back up here in the uh, Fort Worth area. We have a show October 31st with, in partnership with the George Romero Foundation, the director of uh, you know the Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and all that movies. We're partnering with his foundation to promote a show on October 31st. This gentleman is going to be part of that, and he's also got his own social media brand. You know, with multitudes of followers. So I was interested to come on and kind of hear, have him come on and kind of hear his story. And so I, I gave him the opportunity. I said, you want to come on? He's like, sure. Next thing you know, we got him on as a guest. It's that quick with me sometimes, man. I get to guests like that. Like so clockwork. And this week's guest is none other than Big Plo. Plo, welcome to Rational Memories. How's it going, guys? Thank you. It's going good, man. Now, now, do you want to refer to it as Plow? Do we call you Big Plow, BP? What do we want? What do we want to go with? Plow is
2: fine. Most people end up just calling me Plow. Unless you're Lance Romance or ASF, they usually call me Big Plow. But uh, Plow, Plow, Big Plow. But whatever floats your boat
1: is good for me. Gotta love Lance Romance. You know, obviously he's going to go for the uh, the mispronunciation or whatever. But I love the guy. He's going to be a guest on here uh, eventually. He's definitely got a. Uh, a view of professional wrestling. I mean, he's, he's a good guy. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, we're not here we to talk about Lance Romance at all. We're here to talk about you and kind of, you know, you're you know, your new into the into the wrestling business, you know, well, return to the wrestling business. You've had a career ahead of this <laughs> and all that. So we're just going to start off with, with the first question is, you know, what kind of got you interested in professional wrestling? You know, when you were little, pro, what were you watching that got you interested? You wanted to get involved in this crazy business sure so i mean i was born in 1985 and like
2: so my first kind of memory uh was would be watching with my grandpa um and for, for some reason i always kind of go back to the steiner brothers and doom that that kind of era so i'm guessing that was 89 88 maybe but uh definitely like the old yeah,
1: lady
2: yeah like the wcw stuff and then you know, I can remember watching uh, Papa Shango and the Ultimate Warrior on the other channel. So that, that those were kind of the the first memories I, I had of the business. And uh, just fell in love with it. Absolutely. Right away. I loved it. My mom loved it. My grandpa loved it. It was a family thing. So um, we just would, you know, it was like a, appointment TV. Sit around and watch wrestling.
1: Now you're growing up, you know, you're watching with grandpa and your mom and all that who are some of the names that, you know, that you kind of like were attracted to and the ones you like? Cause everybody kind of has their own, you know, that one person that kind of like hooked them and brought them in, you know, for me, Absolutely. it was learning more about like, you know, bruiser Brody in the early 80s. So that's kind of what hooked me. Sure. My, uh,
2: mine would probably have to be Arn Anderson. I, I just, I gravitated towards Arn so quickly and I was just like, you know, I wish he was my dad. Like, you know, he just looked like, uh, a a manly man, a wrestler to me. Like, he just looked like a badass, and I was always so intrigued by him. Uh, Next to him would probably be Big Van Vader. Those two guys really captivated me and really uh, made me want to get big and uh, be strong like
1: them. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Vader and all that. You're late 80s, kind of in that time frame. You would have seen Vader when he was coming in. I'm going to have a little background on this you know, you would have seen Vader when he was coming in that first appearance in W C W against Tom Zink where he came out with the the wild smoke bellowing helmet and everything. Because before that he was AWA as, you know, Baby Bull, if, if Glenn can confirm right. that, that one for me.
0: Yep, baby and Bull, then over Bull in power. Japan he was
1: Vader, but Yeah. So you kinda got it yeah. when it was the the helmet stealing Vader or the smoke stealing helmet. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. The whole program with him and Cactus, the whole thing, him and Harley, that whole presentation was just I just loved it. I loved everything about his work back then.
1: You know, funny story about, about cactus. I met him at a CAC years ago. And I gave him a DVD that I had because I had and I had burned on the copies of the of the Swampy promos that he had done back when vader gave him amnesia and i handed it to him yeah. i'm like i'm not sure if you're going to want to see this and he's like oh i don't remember any of that i don't know i don't know who Swampy is but he kind of got <laughs> to laugh when we talked about vader and the and the the you know injury angle and the amnesia swampy and yeah. the, the pregnant wife and you know yeah. Mick yeah. has an interesting take on that so <laughs> i'm sure so so going on, you know, you're growing up, you know, you're watching wrestling and all that. When did you kind of start getting the idea? Because you actually wrestled for a few years from around, I believe you said, 2004 to 2007. When did you kind yeah, of start getting a yeah. bug and be like, you know, I want to go in there and do this?
2: You know, I mean, growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, I mean, I think everybody kind of backyarded a little bit, you know, <laughs> they would want to Power bomb their friends on a picnic table and do the elbow off of the tree and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, always kind of liked, uh, you know, we did as much as we could being untrained back then. And then as luck would have it, my family was moving houses and one of the guys who worked for the moving company walked in and he goes, uh, yeah, I see all your posters. He goes, you're a pretty good sized kid. I mean, in junior high, I was 511 to 20. So he's like, "You're you're a big kid." He goes, uh, "You ever thought about trying to wrestle?" And I said, "Oh my god, I would love to." And then he was he was actually the one who got me in touch with Sam Decero and uh, WCW WCPW up up in Chicago. So um, it all kind of happened because my family chose to move, and the moving man kind of hooked me up. So
1: you grew up in the Chicago area.
2: I did. I did yes. Born and raised in Chicago. Um, spent spent the first twenty
1: three years of my, of my life there. So that was definitely home. Now getting into wrestling a lot. Did you watch or follow any or any of the history of the uh, the Chicago area as far as wrestling? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
2: for sure. Um, you know, it's it, it, you always hear people say, "Oh, Chicago is such a great wrestling town." You know, and, and they name off all the old venues. I grew up going to the Rosemont Horizon, a.k.a. the Allstate Arena. And, uh, you know, so just o- always kind of had that Chicago uh, pride as a wrestling fan. that, You know, yeah, we're really from like a mecca of this stuff. And, you know, hearing people like Heenan talk about, you know, all his times out there in, in Chicago and stuff. Like it's, it's really a um, it, it, it's an incredible city
1: for pro wrestling. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. WCW at that time, like 89, early 90s, they had a show on the WGN Superstation, which is like the big station in the Chicago area. That's where you see the Cubs and the holes yep. and everything. But WCW actually had their own program on WGN that was specifically WGN only. Like they had their own WCW program, which I always thought was kind of interesting. Absolutely. Now, how old were you when you first started decided you were gonna uh, you wanted to train and start getting the ring to be a ring and be wrestler?
2: Yeah. So the first time I ever got into a ring, I was
1: 17, 18. And then when you first got in there and decided to, you know, you want to start training, this is what you're going to do. What was that like? You know, when you get in and you take that, that first bump, that first roll, cause <laughs> I did it. I tried it when I was like 18 and it just wasn't for me. Cause I just couldn't physically inflict pain on myself on purpose. I just couldn't do it. Sure.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of got hooked to it. I mean, I, I just, I just loved it. I, uh, it was always uh, kind of a badge of courage, you know, how much how much pain I could take. And so, like, the the whole class that I kind of broke in with, we were all just uh, a bunch of meatheads that were just trying to, you know, see who could take the most punishment, who, would, who could do the most bumps, who could get the biggest bruises on their side from the ropes, uh, that kind of thing. So, no, it, it was definitely uh, we wanted to earn our stripes, you know.
1: And there's something I always like to ask people, When you first got into the ring, you started learning some of the stuff behind this. You kind of got to learn how it's done. You know, what was that like for you? That's like opening a whole new door. You're like learning how the magician does his tricks. How was that for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little bit uh, of like a disappointment, maybe, because you're like, oh, really? That's how they do it? Like, it, it definitely takes the magic away from it. But then you also gain such an appreciation for the people who do it so well. And you're like, wow, you know, they they made me feel like it was real. Even though I know that this is how it is, um, I can still get kind of taken away by somebody who's just really, really great at their craft. And and really, you know, I still get inspired. I still, I'm a crier. I still cry at like a great angle or a great match. Like I still get emotionally invested at people who do it well. So, I mean, I never saw it as like, oh man, this is just, you know, some, some phony stuff. Like I was, I was inspired more, like, you know, so here's how it's really done, but the people that can still make it look, you know, how I thought it was a, as a kid, like that's the next level of talent that is like really,
1: really to this day impresses the, the heck out of me, you know? Yeah, my wife, she, she'll watch it on occasion with me if I have it on the TV, which is pretty much all the time, but, uh, you know, she'll notice and she's made the comment before that you know, you can tell the guys that really know how to do it, what they're doing, because they make it look effortless. They make it look flawless. Yeah. But then you have the guy that, oh, you didn't do that right. And you automatically, you know, it's like, it's like the difference of night and day.
2: For sure. For sure. And it always really frustrates me because, I mean, I was always taught, like, we're trying to sell that that, that, that this is a real fight. So, like, whenever I see two guys and it, it's just all the, like, stop and starts and, like, the regroup and all this stuff i'm like nah. like if if this was a real fight you know grab a hold throw a punch if you know how to throw a punch you know do something to to, to keep it going so it's not this like choppy start and stop stuff because that frustrates the heck out of me well
1: yeah it's like jim Cornette says if you're in an actual fight you're not going to stand there while the guy you know runs across and climbs up here and then die- you're not going to do that you're going to punch him in the face you're going to you know give him a gut shot you're not going to stand there and wait for him to come back from the next uh, you know, so it just looks phony. 100%. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the excitement and all that. And right now, you know, we're kind of in the, uh, the big thing. You know, CM Punk's return and stuff like that. Has some of that stuff kind of got you, like, you know, the juice is going? You're like, you get excited, you're emotional. Because I watched CM Punk's return with my son. He's 10 years old. Yeah. And I set off of his excitement, but even I was kind of like, oh, holy CM Punk. Wow, damn. You know, I almost felt like a yeah. crying guy in the audience for a second.
2: But that's it's a that's great deal. It is. And, and you know, I, I, I feel like pro wrestling on the national stage has been so kind of stagnant for so long and like there really hasn't been anything to sink your teeth in. And part of that can be the pandemic. I mean, I can only imagine how hard it is to perform inside an arena with nobody there but cameras like that to me you almost wouldn't want to waste your bumps on your bump card in front of nobody because you, you, you feed off of the crowd and to have no crowd. I can't even imagine how hard that was, you know? Um, but now, now that crowds are back, you know, of course, punk coming back is huge. Of course, uh, Brian Daniels did Brian Danielson jumping over to AEW is huge. And Adam Cole leaving NXT. I mean, there, there are so many, like so many movements happening now. It's just, uh, it kind of reignites the passion. If your passion ever went out, this kind of stuff reignites it and makes you excited to be a fan again. So yeah, I still get caught up in it. You know, I'm still a fan. I'm a, I'm a total Mark. I'll happily call myself a Mark. I love pro wrestling. I love being involved in it, but I love being in the stands and
1: watching it too. You know, you have to be a fan. You have to be a Mark. And I hate that term because I think it's insulting to the people that, uh, you know, watching all lot because they use it as a degrading term, but it's not degrading. You know, Oh, he's oh, just a mark. You need that guy. You need that <laughs> mark to go. Oh my God. Because that's your ticket. That's your audience. You need those people. And you go refer to them as a mark. And it's like, it's kind of insulting. I don't think, you know, maybe some of them don't realize it, but it's an insult in my opinion to call them a mark. Cause a mark is basically kind of like they're slow. They don't get it. You don't want them to get You want them to get involved. You know, you want them to get excited. Yeah. You know, look at Arn Anderson right now. He delivered that promo with the, uh, you know, he pulls out his Glock and puts it to their forehead, Man. and boom, fans all over the place are talking about, you know, Glock, Anderson, and Arn, because they believed Arn it. They felt it. They enjoyed it. And he needs that. That's what he wants. If Arn Anderson did that oh. promo and everybody went, oh, he's just talking. No. Yeah, you want to yeah. believe it.
2: You believe it, because Arn was a badass for so long. Like, you know, that's the Arn Anderson that I grew up on, you know the Arn Anderson that was attacking guys in the parking lot and, uh, you know, trying to break Dusty's arm and doing all this stuff. Like that's, that's the, that's the OG Arn Anderson that I grew up on. So I couldn't have been happier for that. Cause like I said, he was one of my favorites. He probably was my favorite back then. And like, you know, even to see that he still has that kind of fire and that kind of passion, you know, cause Arn is weird. It's like, you know, Arn for so long, like he would pop up and hit a spine buster every ten years, you know, and you'd be like, Oh my god, Arn Anderson still has it. And uh so for Arn to be on T V and just kind of be a wallflower for Cody, I mean not really get involved, and then all of a sudden he comes out with this promo and it's just like, ah, that that's the fire. That's the Arn Anderson that I love, you know. So I love that moment and uh, you know, I will forever be a fan of his and that, that
1: definitely popped me. I definitely loved, loved watching that moment. Now, 2004, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. 2004 is when you got into wrestling, you wrestled from according to your bio here from 2004 to 2007. Uh, when you first got in the ring, you know, you know, that, that first match, what do you remember about your debut match? You know, what were you feeling walking through the curtain, the crowd and all that? What was going through your mind? at that moment? Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, it was, it was probably uh, probably a hundred people, um, but to me, it, it it just felt huge, and it just felt absolutely uh, like a dream come true, you know. And I don't remember much about the match. I just know that uh, I lost, uh, so it's probably just kind of escaped me what actually happened during it. But I mean, just it's it, it's a dream come true, and it's just like you know this. It just feels right when when you when you put in all that work to train. All the bumps, all this and that, and then you're able to put it put it together, um, and then a crowd is able to respond to it. It's just it's just really special. So I mean, you know, I probably didn't have a hundred matches in my career because unfortunately I did get hurt. Um, but the time that I did spend in, in the ring, it was all you know it 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 made an impact on me for life. You know, and it's definitely. It was definitely my first passion. My first love was this business. And, uh, you know, yeah. So it's just, it was it was very special. Was this all in the Chicago area? Or was this where
1: you were uh, mainly wrestling at?
2: It sure was, yeah. We, you know, we would occasionally hit shows up in Wisconsin over in Indiana, but it was mostly just right there in the Sh- the Chicagoland area.
1: Now, what was that like? Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, Chicago is one of those areas that has a great wrestling history. You know, much like, you know, Minnesota, Texas, stuff like it. And it's always fun to kind of hear that because, you know, you'll get to work with guys that, you know, maybe worked with, you know, some of the names back in the day that are kind of at the oh, end sure. of their years. But for a young guy breaking into the business, that's always fun.
2: Yeah. I mean, the really cool part about WCW, which is Windy City Wrestling, the, the really cool part about that up there was that they would, they would bring in guys like King Kong Bundy and Greg the Hammer Valentine and, um, just all, all these kind of OGs and, uh, you would get to learn from them, and occasionally you would get to get in in the ring with them. And so, I mean, it was it was definitely uh, really really cool. As far as the crowds, I mean, a Chicago crowd is a Chicago crowd, whether it's in you know independent show or or, or whether they're at the Rosemont Horizon. So, I mean, they're just always passionate, they're always loud, um, and they they're always very opinionated. And uh, if you're a new guy just breaking in and you stink, they're going to let you know. You know, and in and, and a lot of ways, it makes you tougher and uh, it makes you kind of learn on the fly how to um, maybe have some thicker skin. Uh, but I mean, it's definitely they definitely can see through uh, who's there because they love the business and, and who's just there because they, you know, want to be a TV star. They want to do something like that. Like they, they could definitely sniff out people that have passion.
1: Now, we were just mentioning, you know, CM Punk return and all that. All of a that was in Chicago. You know, getting to watch that on TV, does that kind of bring a little extra something to you? Because, you know, that's your that's your hometown. That's your hometown crowd to see that kind of reaction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I
2: just know that, you know, I've been at shows all over the country. I've been to several WrestleManias. But, I mean, the the, uh, the feeling of a Chicago crowd, you know, I think back to when I was – I was in the eighth row at WrestleMania 13 with Austin and, and Bret Hart, and like hear, hearing that that crowd turn—you know, everybody always talks about how the crowd turned on Bret and kind of made Austin the hero. Um, it's the crowd that 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 made that happen. You know, I mean, it's the power of that many people, and it wasn't in Chicago, but it, it was actually in Houston the most incredible crowd i've ever been a part of was wrestlemania 25 shawn michael's versus the undertaker that that match i've never seen more grown men strangers high-fiving hugging crying <laughs> like it was it was this like transcendently spiritual kind of thing watching you know cuz that match had so many false finishes and the drama was incredible but like, t- to me that that was the most incredible match i've i've ever seen live and the crowd was so invested in it. And uh, I felt so bad for Randy Orton and Triple H that had to follow that because the crowd was spent. The crowd was done. You know, we were like, uh, who, who cares? Sean, Sean and uh, and and Taker should, should have been the main because there was no way to follow that, especially with how, you know, if you think about it, the crowd had been following Sean and Taker for, what, almost 20 years at that point? So it's like this, these are people <clears throat> that were so invested in it. Um, it was it was just incredible. So, I mean, crowds, whether it is Chicago, which is next level, but if it's a crowd that just has something, you know, come to think of it, Houston, Texas, a, a Texas crowd with two Texas boys in there, that's probably why that was so intense also.
1: Oh, definitely. There's talk I've heard now that possibly Undertaker might have the Hall of Fame induction next year in Arlington since they're going to be here again. And I guarantee oh, yeah. you that would be a crowd reaction of epic proportion if that man goes in the Hall of Fame right here in Texas, which is fitting. It's the only place he should go in, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And another example, you're talking WrestleMania. I I wasn't there, obviously. I've been to one. Um, Another example of the audience and how they can kind of change things is obviously Rock versus Hogan. You go in and Rock's supposed to be, you know, the superhero, the baby face. Hogan's supposed to be Hollywood Hogan, the evil NWO. But the fans did not want to boo Hogan. If They were oh, going to see Hulkamania alive in person, and they changed. You know, yeah. Rock says it. They changed the tone of that match. They had to play around. Hogan had to be the hero. He had to be the babyface yep. because the fans weren't going to have it any other way. And that's just amazing exactly. to have that kind of power.
2: The fans are so powerful. And any, any kind of performer, any kind of uh, pro wrestler that says, you know, uh, F the fans or this or that, like, nah, dude, that's your bread and butter. If the fans are behind you, you're a made man. So it's like the fans have to come first, you know, like that, that always has to be your main priority.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to hand the mic over to Glenn. I'm sure he has a question
0: for you. Oh, I think I can throw a few questions in here on this edition of wrestling memories with big Plow. And you mentioned uh, your training and your wrestling in the uh, Chicago, uh, greater Chicagoland area, dipping into Wisconsin. Uh, I want to know what that is like. I mean, you talked a little bit about working in front of 100 people, but what was your indie experience like? Uh, did you come across a couple of uh, guys, like because uh, those indie shows up and down, you got the young guys, you, they sometimes even bring in some old vets, but what kind of characters did sure. you encounter? I mean, because when you, when you walked into that locker room that first time, does, what, what, what was that experience like? Because you learned so much from from certain people in those locker rooms and situations but talk a little bit about that the camaraderie uh that comes uh, out in not only the big companies but at, at these smaller shows
2: yeah i mean you know everybody was was pretty much friendly back then you know there really wasn't any animosity inside our locker rooms everything was pretty chill uh it was just a whole bunch of people that loved pro wrestling and, uh, I mean, it was, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. So, I mean, you know, there, there were a lot of gimmicks that uh, a lot of guys in jean shorts and tank tops with their faces painted. I mean, a lot of stuff that maybe wasn't the most creative. Uh, no. But, I mean, just, just people that, that were passionate and loved pro wrestling uh, and people that wanted to give it a try. And, I mean, of the people that came through the program that, that, that I was in, um i mean the only person that i ever rubbed elbows with who's like top tier now would be christopher daniels so you know that's a to me that's a a huge name i've always been a huge fan of chris's and uh uh he was a part of the windy city pro wrestling family so um you know but i mean it it was just a very passionate group, group of people like it was just a very um it was you know, it sounds cliche to say a family, but I mean, it it it, it really was. And those of us that traveled a lot together, it, it, we were just very, very close and we just wanted to have fun. And just we were thrilled to be a part of, of the business.
0: Also, when I think about that time, as far as indie shows go, you must have encountered at least uh, five to ten doinks.
2: Oh, the clown gimmicks were everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you you know, you would always kind of have like the rip offs of like what was happening. Everybody looked like Jeff Hardy for a while. uh, That kind of thing. You know, there there were always your, uh, you could always count on, you know, whatever was happening on the national level, you would get like the wish version of that on the indies
0: yeah that is a perfect way to sum up, up the comparison wish to reality <laughs> <laughs> because go oh, there's every yeah you get the dime store version but you know there was guys though i mean in the midwest indies you know just because it wasn't uh the big time shows i mean I mean, the Colt Cabanas and the CM Punk's and the Adam Pierce's. Adam Pierce is another guy you see on TV every week in an authoritative role. But that was a guy that really uh, paid his dues in pro wrestling and the independents, not only in the Midwest, but he ended up working for ROH and various other companies.
2: Absolutely. People don't realize how, how great he actually was in the ring. He was actually tremendous in the ring.
0: 100 percent i mean uh when he was the nwa champion trading uh the title back and forth with colt cabana and there were seven yeah. degrees of hell uh match series where they did uh, all kinds of different gimmick matches and stuff they, i i thought that that was a a great great uh feud that kind of For getting sure. forgotten today which is kind of a shame you talked about um You ended up having to leave the wrestling business for for something that kind of really changed your life. Uh, Talk about this uh, period of time, what led to this, uh, you know, what happened with you what led to you to make it, the decision to leave the business for a while and how you ended up prospering uh, down the road. It, you know, probably at the time it didn't seem like you had that direction to go, you know, because the situation you ended up in and, but you seem to rise above and out of it. Tell us about that road, the bumps, all of that stuff to get to where you were, uh, you know, a couple of years after the incident.
2: Sure. So, uh, 2007, we were just having a little training session and, uh, I had a, a friend of mine I had known for a long time, big six foot 10 guy. I'm not going to name his name because I don't want to get, you know, I I hate to say that it was anybody's fault what happened to me because it was nobody's fault, but, uh, I got dropped on my head. Um, and I did, I did have two of my vertebrae, uh, cracked. And so I, I had to have a spinal fusion surgery. Um, and as soon as, soon as they fuse your spine, um, your career is pretty much over. You know, I, 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 I always tell people I could, I could probably take a couple of bumps here and there, but I really don't want to risk it. Cause my orthopedic surgeon said, you know what, if you don't want to be paralyzed, you should probably uh, stop wrestling. So I said, okay, you know what, that's fine. I'm going to go ahead and stop. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have tried to stay around the business, but my thought process was okay. I'm, I'm hurt. I, I, can't get in the ring what do i have to offer the industry considering i had less than 100 matches like yeah i'm passionate but you know there's so many people in the business that, that that can contribute so i decided just to kind of leave the business um i had grown up cooking in my family's pizzeria and so the restaurant industry was always something that was kind of uh uh I don't want to say it was easy for me, but it was like a second thing. It it was just like a natural, um, natural skill, I guess. So I figured I would take the skill that I already have. I would go to culinary school. I would become a chef. Um, and then in 2009 I started my own restaurant consulting firm, which, uh, is what brought me to Texas after that, because I had a couple of chefs in Chicago tell me that, uh, Chicago is not where you start a business. It's not where you open a restaurant. It's not where you start your career. It's, it's uh, the place where you come at the end of your career to open up a restaurant. He said, you'll never get any kind of respect until you go somewhere else and you make a name for yourself and you come back. And I I took that to heart. So um, I ended up coming to Dallas, Texas. And uh, that was where I kind of launched my, my, my culinary empire. Uh, and I mean, since then I've been affiliated with the openings of 29 restaurants and, uh, have, have kind of built this social media empire alongside that.
0: Um, you know, I
2: just love food and I love helping people open their dream restaurants. You know, I love, uh, helping people open things that, that they've dreamed of doing. You know, food is just one of those things that it's definitely like a. For me, it goes right alongside pro wrestling as a love language. You know, I love to cook for people. I love food. I love you know, to break bread with everybody. That that's just how how I show affection. And so it's just a natural thing to just kind of be involved in this. And the parallels between my culinary career and pro wrestling are actually incredible because um, I actually helped Jim Ross write a cookbook uh and then uh i, I ended up being that the head chef at the American Airlines Center here in Dallas when uh WrestleMania 32 happened so we got to kind of like rub elbows with all the guys at Raw and also at the Hall of Fame uh at the arena so um i can remember there was a point being in the kind of in the basement of the arena i i walked down there and actually throw trash out which is like super embarrassing in hindsight because here i am wheeling <laughs> this giant trash dumpster and who do i see walking towards me vince mcmahon and i'm like mother you know this is terrible like this <laughs> this couldn't be a worse first impression to to meet my hero you know like this is just awful and he was, he was nice. You know, he asked me how I was. And I, I told him I was a huge fan and he was like, uh uh-huh. And I was like, okay. So I just walked away. Um, but then coming back out later on and I'm just seeing, you know, Shane McMahon talking to Enzo Amore and there's Jericho and Triple H and Flair and there's Goldust. And I'm just like, ah, this, this is where I should be, you know? Like, so I just always had these kind of moments where I'm like, man, like, I'm doing well in my business now. Like I love being a chef. I love everything I do, but like, man, this, this was still number one, you know, like this was still the dream. Uh, I ran the culinary business until 2020. Unfortunately the the pandemic caused a lot of my clients to, um, have to shut their doors. They, you know, there just wasn't enough capital, uh, to, to keep open through, through the pandemic or, um, uncertainty of course was everywhere. Are we ever going to have people back in restaurants? So, I mean, a lot, a lot of people that I had worked with for years that, you know, I would be like on a retainer to change their menu seasonally or something. They were just like, we don't have any money to pay you. So I was like, you know what, it's probably best that I just stop my whole business because my whole business relied on restaurants being able to pay me for my services. So I shut that down in 2020 and, um, I was just making money off of my social media at that point, selling t-shirts and doing ads and a little bit of modeling here and there. And I was like, you know, this is fine. Like I'm comfortable. Uh, and then I ended up at, at, uh, um, it was a show put on by Lance Romance's smash mouth wrestling at the Halton theater. This was back in March. And, uh, I met Lance and we became close friends and, uh, He kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to everybody here in Texas and was just like, uh, you know, he asked me to be like the the right hand man at his shows whenever he runs shows. And then I ended up meeting David Fuller and he asked me to come on board IHWE, uh, which I was thrilled to and then uh, started uh, working with the independent wrestling expo people uh, doing commentary alongside the fantastic nigel rabbit uh and it's just it's kind of this full circle of uh, you know i had my little 10 years with the culinary thing and now i'm back in the wrestling business in a completely different fashion um and loving every minute of it you know it's just it's like a dream come true part two
0: yeah you get your you get your second chance that's that's very very cool i'm bringing to bring in the grizzle vet mike mccurdy back into the mix uh uh, he mentioned, uh, Paul mentioned the name David Fuller. And, uh, of course you, you've worked with David many a time in the IHWE. Uh, that's a good time for you to come on in and ask a few more questions, right?
1: Oh, definitely. I, I, I know a thing or two about David Fuller. I've been, I've been his right hand man, which is involves a lot of running around, trying to keep up with it. If uh, you know, Paul knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, before we kind of talk about, you know, you know, you're, you're getting back into wrestling. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, that show upcoming that I was talking about. But I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, your social media brand, about Big Plow and kind of your your mission statement with that, you know, what you're accomplishing with with the brand.
2: Sure. So uh long story short with that, or maybe even a short story long, um, I started this
1: page
2: on social media. Um because I've been openly gay since I was 16 years old. The entire time that I wrestled, I was openly gay, the entire time I ran my culinary empire. And I, I wanted to, to kind of create this place where it could be a little bit of a community to uh, help people come come in and feel comfortable asking questions, whether it's parents of gay kids, or you know, maybe, uh, people who are newly coming out and that kind of thing, and just kind of preach acceptance and that kind of thing. So that was how the whole page kind of started. And also a little bit of like body positivity. I always get tagged in that, which is cool. Cause I mean, I'm a, I'm a heavy set guy, but like, you know, I get, I get called on to model some underwear from some companies and stuff. And I'm, I'm always thrilled to, cause I love the idea of, uh, all bodies are valid and all that. So Um, it just kind of started off as just a a place where I wanted to make a difference, um, in my community, you know, and, um, it just kind of caught, it just kind of caught wind and just kind of, kind of picked up and, um, you know, across all the social media platforms, I think we're at close to 30,000, uh, subscribers and, 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 and that kind of thing. And, uh, we do Instagram live streams every week and we have a lot of people come and talk and share their stories. And uh, I share my stories and I mean, it's it's not, it's not really safe for work. I'm kind of a potty mouth, but uh, everything is presented in a, uh, I try to make it a comedic way, but it's, it's everything from love and dating and mental health and body positivity and, you know, that kind of thing it's it's just it's a safe place for people to come when maybe they don't have anybody else to talk to about the, their situations and uh it's just been really cool i get a lot of emails from people saying you know um you don't you don't seem gay whatever that means or you know you uh you changed my opinion on gay people or my son came out and i i had no idea well, you know how to handle it but you helped me with that or or i'm i'm a big fat guy and seeing you, uh, embrace your, your body and be confident helps me be more confident. So, I mean, all, all those kind of things, that's, that's kind of what the whole brand is. It's just like self-acceptance, no matter what, being proud of yourself, being confident and uh, putting yourself
1: out there. And that's, that's what I do. Well, I'm not going to put this in an email. I'm just going to tell you right now. Um, I got a daughter, she's going to be 12 in December getting into middle school now. And she's just now starting to find students that, you know, one of her friends is a, uh, is a transgender female, they, them, pronoun. And my daughter is now learning about, well, not learning about the lifestyle. She's always known about it. We've always been open about things like this, but sure. she's now getting out there where she's meeting people and all that. And She's very understanding about it. And she tells us, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're this, this, and they told me this, they told me this. And I think it's great that there's a brand and there's a guy like you that's out there that, You know, help. You know, help kids like this because you know my daughter doesn't know all of it, and there's some things I just can't really explain because even I don't know, and I don't want to come across as insensitive. So to have a brand like yours and a guy like you that's able to help kids along that, man, I think that's great. Yeah,
2: I appreciate that. It's just taking the stigma away from everything. You know, people fear what they don't understand. So if we're able to kind of explain something or or, you know, kind of break something down easier for people. Then I just think it's it's easier for people to to handle because I can't tell you how many times, even you know, when I was wrestling or when I was doing this or that, people would say, "Wait, you can't be gay. You play video games. You eat Burger King. You wrestle like all this kind of stuff." I'm like, "You like, you think that gay people can't eat Burger King? Like, no, like it's just you know, there's so many things that people think that." everything has to be so one note, you know, that this equals this period. And it's, it's so not true. You know, it's, there are so many different colors and flavors and of this and that. So it's just about being tolerant. You know, my thing is I try to love everybody. I try to lead with, with love always and just, you know, uh, try, try, try to keep that positive mindset. So, um, that's, that's where the brand comes from. And that's, that's pretty much what we're, accomplishing uh currently i actually have a brand new project that i'm super excited about which is actually blending my two loves which is pro wrestling and food so i just started a uh youtube channel and we are filming our first episode uh in the next week and essentially it's going to be it's called big clo big clothes in your mouth Sounds a little weird, but it it is a mukbang series where me and a pro wrestler in the area that might be here in town for a show, we're going to go to a local restaurant and we're going to eat a whole bunch of food and talk about their career and talk about the restaurant. Because any current restaurant that is a mom and pop that's still opening to me is a hero because they overcame the pandemic and everything else. And I want to spotlight them and I want to spotlight these Fantastic pro wrestlers that we have, especially here in Texas. There is so much talent in Texas right now uh, when it comes to pro wrestling. Like it, it, it's staggering, you know. Between New Texas Pro and DFW All Pro and IHWE and you know Smash Mouth and all these, all these promotions, they they just have so much talent at their fingertips. I'm so excited to be able to sit down and introduce. You know, not only my audience, but, you know, whoever will end up watching it. Like how how talented these people are here in Texas and
1: beyond. So your YouTube channel sounds like you're taking a little page from Andy Kaufman. We're going to do a little breakfast with Blassie, but, you know, just with a bunch of other people. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Now, speaking of guys, that's one of the groups you're involved with. Uh, That's where you and I met. David Fuller has been a guest on this show on uh, multiple occasions to talk about it. He's got an interesting uh, show coming up October 31st here in the Fort Worth area. And just he just recently announced partnering with the George A. Romero Foundation and yeah. he's gonna be presenting Fight of the Dead. You know, yeah. I think that's an interesting concept. And obviously, you know, everyone knows who George Romero is in the Night of the Living Dead movies. But uh, you know, he's just now coming out with details, but you know, what's it like? You know, we're gonna be working on a show, you know, you and I'll be there. Maybe I'll be doing a little commentary okay. with you. We don't know yet. But yep. to get to work a show like that, to be partnered with, you know, George Romero Foundation, that's just kind of another cool little thing to add to your resume. Oh, it's
2: so cool. And I mean, you know, I HWE's relaunch at Fanboy's Marketplace has just been so cool already. I love Fanboy's Marketplace as a venue. Uh, it is just this this really cool uh you know, it's like this comic con Funko pop kind of feel. It's just this really cool store uh, marketplace event center. And for IHWE to have their own spot in this, in this place to be able to run all of their shows is, is really, really cool. And yeah, this, this show coming up on Halloween is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, You know, I I can tell you that we are going to have a lot of really great talented pro wrestlers from the state of Texas there. And I just can't wait. And yeah, hopefully we'll be on commentary together and hopefully, uh, you
1: know, I, I can't wait to see what David comes up with. I've been working with David now since two thousand two thousand thirteen. 2013, we first met on social media and I started working with him in 2014 at ICW radio. And I was his, uh, I went and represented him with CAC for two years and, david is the guy who always has the big vision and then has to yep. kind of backpedal a little bit to kind of put the pieces together to make that big vision happen so sure. i know for him getting a partner with the george A. romero foundation for fight of the dead that right there is probably like one of the highlights of his career because i know for a fact he's a romero fan from you know day one right. so yeah. this is definitely exciting for him i'm kind of looking forward to seeing you know exactly what we come up with i've called yep. fanboys you know i call it a pop culture flea market that's kind of what it reminds me
0: of. It's a yeah,
1: big sure. department store building, and there's just different vendors and events going on and stuff. And the two shows we've done so far have been fun. We've actually had fans that sit in our corner where we're at for the entire show, even though we only run like four or five matches in the afternoon, but they're there the entire time. And as soon as a guy hits the ring to wrestle, we get a group of people to come over from buying their pops or their, or their tapestries or posters or action figures or dice or whatever. They come over to watch us. So it's a very interesting, uh, you know, kind of combination of pop culture and professional wrestling all in this one building. And like I said, I'm looking forward to a fight of the dead, looking forward to working with you again, man. Because, you know, you and I met for the first time just a couple weeks ago. And you didn't know me from Adam, but we just kind of hit it off. And, you know, like you said, you have a very positive attitude. You're very just kind of, you know, hey, man, how's it going? Let's do this. You know, and I really like that about you because there's a lot of negative. In the pro wrestling business, you meet these guys, you're like, I you mean, walk through the locker I room, mean, hey, nice to meet you, eh, eh. and that's it. They just brush you off. Yeah. So we need a little positivity.
2: I agree with that. Absolutely. You know, it, at the end of the day, we're all, in, hopefully, we're all in the same boat. We're all fans, and we just want to make the wrestling world a better place and just put on a good show. So, I mean, I got that same kind of a vibe from you. I get that from David, you know. So, I mean, I'm really excited for what IHWE is going to be doing in the future. You know, I, I think we're going to be running every month, maybe bi-monthly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, really excited to see what the future holds at Fanboys because I think it's unlimited p- potential. I think it's really going to be a fun time.
1: I think it's a great opportunity that David got. and You know, I'm glad he's got a chance to run with the ball because I'm sure he's talked with you and, you know, the last run of ice he didn't end on the greatest note, you know, and he's always kind of wanted to come back as, you know, show people, Hey, this is what we can do. This is what we're about. And I'm glad he's got that opportunity to do it. And he's really assembled a great crew. I'm not going to keep patting you on the back, but you know, you and myself and a lot of the other guys he's got going, he's got the Lance romance, Randy Blakely, he's involved with it. You know, and the last show we had, you had great guys like, you know, uh, the mad Prince was on there. Nathan Bradley, Brixton Shaw, Reggie Lincoln, guys that are like wrestling all over Texas. It's not just like a dude, you know, Flipping burgers Monday through Friday, then on Saturday he puts on a pair of tights and goes in the ring. <laughs> these guys are working all over Texas on a regular basis. So. Yeah, yeah. These are full these are full time in all star pro wrestlers. Absolutely. All right. Well, as always, you know, we're running out of time on our interview, but I'd like to give you a chance to kind of let our listeners know where they could find you on social media, your YouTube channel, your brand page. You know, here's your chance to get out there, and let them know where they can find you and follow you and learn more about your uh, your experiences.
2: Sure thing. So the, I mean, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. It's at B I G P L O at big plow. Uh, Twitter is at B I G underscore plo, And uh, my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash big plow or how I'm not sure exactly how that works, but just search for big plo. I'm the only one. So those are the, the big three.
1: And if any of our listeners, you know, want to contact you for themselves or maybe for someone they know, you know, to kind of talk about, you know, the whole thing, what we've been uh, discussing as far as, you know, coming out and how acceptance, you know, that is there, is this way they can also reach you? with email or they can just contact you through the uh, Instagram page?
2: Well, you can always, uh, my DMs on IG are always open, but you can also always email me at ogbigplo at gmail.com. So
1: O-G-B-I-G-P-L-O at gmail.com. All right, well, Flo, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on this week's show been a very interesting conversation. I always love to talk about kind of, you know, wrestling with people that are, you know, the fans like Glenn and I, and we can just talk about, you know, our experiences and how much fun we've had with it. And this has been a great interview. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back there to you. I'm sure the timekeeper's already given you the stink eye.
0: Yep. Stink eye has already been applied. I do want to thank our guest today, Big Plo. And of course, for Big Plo and the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories.